Pastor Ed Taylor with some advice on giving advice to your married kids. Here's a rule of thumb in giving advice to your children after they're married. You ready? Don't. Don't give your kids advice unless they ask for it. Don't give your kids advice for their marriage unless they ask you for it. Well, you know, your mom and I always, yeah, dad, that's why I'm doing it differently. And now you're just creating up another argument and another difficulty. Don't give them advice. I I learned this as a pastor. Early on as a pastor, I'm like, man, I thought everybody wanted my advice. I thought everybody needed my advice. And so I'm going out giving everybody my opinion. But over the years, I've learned if you don't ask me my opinion, I'm not going to tell you. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Hello again, and welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. When you get married, you marry into a family, and it isn't always smooth sailing. Maybe you'd be quick to admit your in-laws are making life difficult for you and your spouse. Or perhaps your child has just gotten married and you're finding it hard to let go. Today, we'll learn a thing or two from Genesis 28 through 31. Laban was a horrible in-law, to put it mildly. And Pastor Ed has noticed a few things that can help us steer in the right direction. Again, parents, I want you to understand something, that when you release and launch your kids, you are releasing them into the hands of a faithful God, the faithful God that you yourself worship. Here's one of the problems we make, or one of the, the difficulties that come and one of the mistakes that we make. That is, you know, we have such a desire as parents for our kids not to experience all the hardships that we had. That's a good desire, by the way, to kind of bring them and and have a little bit better life than we had, a little bit less pain. I know that was a major, major issue. I was a hyper-controlling parent in the beginning because I was so scared. I was so concerned that my kids would grow up to be bad like me. And so my parenting was to put this in place and this in place and this in place and just kind of hover over them until God finally revealed to me, Ed, they're not going to grow up to be bad like you. Well, why, Lord? Because they're not you. And it gave me great comfort. And the Lord also spoke to me that they're going to experience hardship. They're going to experience pain too. I know you don't want it to happen, Ed, but that's part of life. It's going to be hard for them. Remember, Ed, when you couldn't pay your bills? Yep. Well, they're not going to be able to pay their bills either. Oh, Lord, that was so hard. Yeah, but look what happened. Look what I used in your life. Remember when you had that argument? Yes, I remember my marriage was on the rocks, but look how I showed up in your life. And so as we're trying to guard and protect them, listen, you might be interfering, not just with your parent, your kid's marriage, but you might literally be interfering with the work of God in your kid's life. And I know you don't want that, but in your flesh, that's exactly what's happening. You're jumping in, trying to take control over something that really belongs to God. So when you launch your kids out, yeah, they're out on their own. Yeah, it's going to be hard. Yeah, you know, you remember, you said, I'm going to pay this bill. I'm going to maybe pay this bill. I don't think I'm ever going to pay this bill. You remember those days? 
And you just had a stack here, stack here, stack here, and then, oh, I lost that one. I didn't know. Maybe they'll send me another one. I'm not sure. They were always faithful to send another one, weren't they? And the numbers kept going up and going up and wrecked your credit and all of that. Well, you know what? Your kids, they may experience very similar things. And you're releasing them to the same God that you trust. But Ed, you don't understand. They're not walking with the Lord right now. Okay, well, God's still faithful. Well, you know, they're not listening to me. Okay, God's faithful. Well, they're even making really, really bad decisions. Ed, you don't understand. They cut me off. I'm sorry, that is painful. But God is faithful. And rather than try to take back control, what are you doing now? You've got to pray. You've got to seek the Lord. You've got to trust him. But Ed, Ed, they won't let me see the grandkids. Man, that's a hard one. That's really hard. What do you do? You pray. And you ask the Lord to be your comfort and be your strength. It, it, it can be very, very hard in these new relationships. But just like Jacob was told, God is telling you today, I'm with you. You can trust me. And you can even trust me with this difficult situation. The same God that has taken care of you will take care of them. And will affirm his will, even if they choose not to walk in it today. I want to look at in-laws in general. What is the in-laws? Number one, we learned that parents, they're to release. God, he directs and encourages. Now, in general, what do in-laws give? They give support. Support. I want you to see that in chapter 29 in verse 10. Chapter 29 in verse 10. It came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near, rolled the stone away from the well's mouth, and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel, lifted up his voice, and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was his father's relative and that he was Rebekah's son. So she ran and told her father. Then it came to pass when Laban, that is Rachel's dad, heard the report about Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him into the house. So he told Laban all these things. And Laban said to him, surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him for a month. Now we're going to pause there because up to this point, the characteristics of Laban are very positive. There, there's a positive part here. Now, I do think that part of this month staying here was reading Jacob, figuring out how he could take advantage of him. But there is some positive observations that we can make. So it's pretty simple. The role that you have as an in-law, God's design for you is to be supportive of that new relationship. Support your children's new life. Support your children's new choices. Yes, you're correct. There may be sinful choices that you are unable to support. But rather than magnify those, you go as far as you can, loving your kids until that area where you can't. Because even if your kids are making very, very challenging decisions, that doesn't relieve you or me from loving them. They're still our kids. And we still want what's best for them, even in our own personal pain or challenges. Even if we didn't like all of their choices, we need to help them and support them, even if they have to get back right with the Lord. Your role is never to be divisive, manipulative, or critical, or in any way hurting your kids' new relationship. The reason this is vital is because we're going to see, if you want to read for homework, you're going to see Laban break every single in-law rule there is. 
and ruin his kids and hurt them deeply. He was a horrible in-law, period. Horrible. Which leads me to this. Maybe today, God is saying to you too that you have been a horrible in-law. Maybe it is you that need to reevaluate how you've been responding to this new relationship that has come into your family. There's no other way to say it. And if you come to the conclusion, the Holy Spirit leading you, I'm not the judge of that. I don't don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, I guess if we sat down and talk, I can combine it with the scripture and go, you know, that's just not the right way to handle it. Because every situation is different. But if the Spirit of God is speaking to you, the Spirit of God is ministering, and you look back and you go, man, even if it's just I made some mistakes, or you're full-blown, a horrible in-law, here's the remedy. You must repent of your sin, ask for forgiveness, and pray for the needed change to love your children and your new daughter-in-law, your your son-in-law, the way that God has ordained. And it's not too late. But until you admit it, until it's everyone else's fault, you know, until you stop, you know, stop making excuses and say everybody else's fault, everybody else, just judgment begins in the house of the Lord. And it's worth on this topic examining yourself before the Lord and allowing him. If you are, you come to that place. You know, I made some really bad choices. I, I'm a meddling mother-in-law. Man, that's not good. I'm a prying father-in-law. Man, that's not good. Well, as a son-in-law, I'm just really treating her parents super poorly. That, that's not good. If you're a horrible in-law, I mean, a brother-in-law, I never liked him to begin with. Okay, but that's not the right way to respond. They made the choice. You say you're a follower of Christ. Well, then live out 1 Corinthians 13 love in your life. Maybe you have no opportunity to express it because the relationships are broken right now. Okay, that's Okay. You don't have to, have to express it immediately in order to live it presently. By faith, waiting for God to move. Remember, you can't let things that you don't control mess you up on the things you do control, which is your attitude, your behavior, your prayer life, your love relationship with the Lord and with others. It, it may be completely outside of your control. Admit that. And then say, Lord, okay, you know the hurt and pain I carry. This is not what I expected. I train them in the way they should go. And look what's happening. Look at their choices. This is hard. This is painful. But God, I commit them to you daily, moment by moment. I look forward to one day experiencing that relationship like my friends do or like the word says. But if you're the horrible, and when I mean, when I use the word horrible in context of Laban, I could just back up a little bit and say, if you're the sinful in-law, repent. It is not helping your marriage, not helping your relationship. It's not helping. If there are extremes in your life, perhaps you just need to sit down with a pastor so they can help you sort it out. So that as you hear it, you go, I don't know, Ed, what about this? Well, then maybe you just sit down and sort it out. Talk it through. Pray it through. So that someone can walk alongside more than just a Bible study. In these general, in a very general sense, though, if we are the one in sin... You don't need to sit down with a pastor for that. Repent. Just repent. Let the Lord do a new work in your heart. Jump down to chapter 29, verse 18 now. Because I'll show you with Laban. I'll show you a little glimpse of what it looks like. Chapter 29, verse 18. 
It says, Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I'll serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than I should give her to another man. Stay with me. And so Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Now, you guys know the rest of the story. Served seven years, he, and then, then instead of giving him Rachel, he gives him his other daughter, and then that goes around. Now he's got two, now he's got to work another seven years, and he's just totally taken advantage of. And it's pretty clear in the text that Laban has no regard for his daughter and even less for his future son-in-law. He is selfish and self-centered. It is bad for his kids. It is bad for his future grandkids. And jump ahead now, chapter 31. Here is, we get a glimpse of what this did 20 years later. 20 years later. By the time we get to 31, verse 41, 20 years later. Choices have consequences. Choices have bad choices, have bad consequences. Notice this. Thus I've been in your house 20 years, Jacob says. I've served you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flock. And you've changed my wages 10 times. Unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac, had been with me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. That's the kind of guy he was. God has seen my affliction. Remember what we learned in Psalm 34? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers them out of them all. You're going to see an example of that right here. God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. Here's Laban's response to his son-in-law. Been with him 20 years. Laban answered and said, and I'm going to place some emphasis so you understand by his language how we know. How do we know what kind of guy he was? Not only by his behavior, but by his language. Listen to what he says. These daughters are my daughters. These children are my children. Those are the grandchildren, by the way. This flock is my flock. All that you see is mine. But what can I do this day to these my daughters or to their children whom they have borne? Now therefore, come, let us make a covenant, you and I, and be a witness. Did you hear his words? When he looks at his daughters married to Jacob, he still sees them as his possession. When he looks at his grandchildren, he sees them as only relating to him and how they might profit him. No care and concern for Jacob or even Jacob's family. No mention. He's a very selfish, self-centered man giving bad counsel to his daughter, to both of his daughters, unfortunately, and bad counsel to his son-in-law. The leave and cleave principle didn't even enter into Laban's thinking. It was all about him and not them. And that is the root of broken relationships, selfishness, self-centeredness. Laban failed to understand that the husband-wife relationship must always take precedent over the child-parent relationship. Now what that means to us practically is that parents should always accept their child's mate, husband or wife, biblical marriage, as if they were their own child. It's not, well, you know, you're my daughter and you married that guy, whatever his name is. And even making little jokes about it can hurt a person. Like you treat them just like you treat them just like you treat your daughter. Treat her just like you treat your son. You can't have different categories of love and respect. They are one flesh. It's a package deal. Laban didn't get that. And by the way, parents, parents of married kids, here's a rule of thumb in giving advice to your children after they're married. You ready? Don't. Don't give your kids advice unless they ask for it. 
Don't give your kids advice for their marriage unless they ask you for it. Well, you know, your mom and I always, yeah, dad, that's why I'm doing it differently. And now you're just creating up another argument and another difficulty. Don't give them advice. I, I learned this as a pastor. Early on as a pastor, I'm like, man, I thought everybody wanted my advice. I thought everybody needed my advice. And so I'm going out giving everybody my opinion. But over the years, I've learned, if you don't ask me my opinion, I'm not going to tell you. What difference does my opinion say? What does the Bible say? That's what matters. I'll give you the word of God. But my opinion, what difference does it make? What does God's word say? You may find God's word and apply it differently in your context. That might be different than my opinion. But we can both agree on the word. And I think it's true with our kids. We want to stay back and be ready to serve and encourage them. But if they ask for it, then offer it. But don't offer it unless they ask. Otherwise, this is a great place where in-laws quickly become outlaws and difficulties arise. Now, a great example. I'm going to give you a couple examples. We don't have time. Uh, well, let me give you one more, and I'll give you examples. Let's go to number four. Number four is the children, and the responsibility of the kids in the marriage or in the new in-law relationships is simple. Children continue to honor and respect their parents and their new in-law parents. Now, we studied this in depth when we looked at the principle of kids honor. You know, remember kids matter? We talked about honor and respect. We went in depth to this verse, Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord God is giving you. We covered this in depth, but it applies to adult children too. Because you're married in your own home now, in your own family, in your own responsibilities, that does not give you permission to dishonor and disrespect your parents or your new in-law parents. Honor and respect continues, sometimes even more so than before because now you're relating to them as adults. You know, we've all met those people that say, you know, I'm just my kid's best friend. I'm just my kid's best friend. You know, their kid's eight years old and they want to be their kid's best friend. But one of the best pieces of advice that was ever given to me that I adopted in my life is this. In order to be your kid's best friend, you have to raise them first. You are the parent. You are not their best friend. You are the parent. You have a responsibility to raise them, make difficult choices for them, help them navigate through life. But once you do raise them, then you can begin to enjoy an adult friendship with them. You will always be a parent to one to some degree or another. But as they're adults, you'll begin to enjoy that friendship and you'll be able to hang out and you'll be able to share life together. You'll be able to accept differences. You'll be able to see personality traits. You'll be able to celebrate what God is doing in their own individual lives. But kids, you've got to, as an adult, still respect your parents and still respect and honor their in-laws. Because here's the thing. The, you know, as we learned earlier, you marry your in-laws, you marry your family, you marry her, you marry his complete family. And, and you got to be careful because you're, the spouse you married, their parents raised them. They are a product of their upbringing. And whether you agree or not, you've got to be careful, kids. Again, adult kids. Be careful how you talk to your parents and how you talk to your parents-in-law. Be careful that when you're talking to them, that you don't interrupt them, that you don't want to assert, I'm the man, I'm, I am your daughter's husband now. Yeah, we all know that, bro. We were there at the wedding. We know. We understand. You don't have to fight for anything. Learn how in that new relationship to share whatever you need to share, but respectfully. 
Same with you that are ladies, respectfully in honor. Have the respect and honor to let them finish what they're saying. Let them speak. Don't interrupt them. You know, we all, we still have years on you. Like we still have a few years on you. Uh, there may not be many, but I came first. I'm the dad. Without the dad, there's no kid. That's how it works. But also I, in, I need to learn to honor and respect my kids in their new role. You also have to learn how to honor and respect your parents in that new role. So be very careful too how you speak about your parents or their parents to your spouse. Just like you shouldn't be dishonoring you know, them in front of your parents, but also you don't want to dishonor your parents in front of your spouse and complain about them. I don't like this. And I don't like how I was raised. I don't like the mistakes. Because here's the thing. You're going to find out as your kids launch off that when they look back on their upbringing and their raising, they're going to find mistakes and problems. They're going to blame you for them. I just didn't like this, and I'm not going to do this in my home, and I didn't like how you did this, and you made this mistake. And here's what happens. As they want to talk to you about it as an adult in their own family, you know what happens? You get hyper-defensive. Oh, that's not how it happened. How is your, what's your problem? And tell me how that's going to work for you. Because you're talking to them like they're an eight-year-old. You might want to consider doing it this way, as painful as it is. But again, you're the mature one. As painful as it is, you go, you know what? I, I don't quite agree with that. I don't see that. But tell me your perspective. I didn't live your life. I didn't get it from you. I did it my way, and I did it because that's how my mom did it, and that's how I learned. But, but if, tell me how it made you feel. Give me that, and you can meet them where they're at without being all defensive. And when you do that, like in any relationship, you further the relationship. I mean, these are your kids. You want a long-term relationship with them. And if they experience it a certain way, even if they have it wrong, even if they have perception is 100% reality for people. So their perception of something, even as they start to process it, and maybe they marry somebody, oh, I can't believe that. It's not the home I grew up in. That's right. You didn't grow up. That's why you don't marry brothers and sisters. You didn't grow up in my house. You had a different upbringing. I had a different upbringing. But together, we can even do it differently from both our houses. And so kids, you've got to be honorable. Don't speak down of your parents to your spouse. Work it out with your parents. Be very careful. You want to make sure that you're honoring both in their presence and outside of their presence because that's what the Bible says. Let no corrupt communication proceed from your mouth. That's what the Bible says. That's living a God-honoring life, which is the highest life to live. Well, we've seen one very bad example of an in-law from the book of Genesis, but we don't want to leave you there. In just a moment, Pastor Ed Taylor will give us a couple of great examples to follow here on Abounding Grace. Today's message called In-Laws Matter can be heard again at AboundingGraceRadio.com or through the Calvary Church app. Each month, Pastor Ed picks out a book that he believes can really help you grow in grace and be the person God wants you to be. Our pick of the month is Suffering is Never for Nothing by Elizabeth Elliot. I don't have to remind you that hard times visit all of us. Elizabeth is no stranger to suffering either. Her first husband, Jim, was murdered. Her second husband was lost to cancer. But it was in her deepest suffering that she learned the deepest lessons from God. Read all about it in Suffering is Never for Nothing. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a donation of $25 or more. Just call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's toll-free, 877-30-GRACE. As promised, here's Pastor Ed to close things out. 
So for homework, a couple of good examples. We looked at Laban. Read that for sure. Genesis 28, 29, 30, and 31. But here's a couple of great examples. How about, how about the relationship between Naomi, mother-in-law, and Ruth? I mean, that was a beautiful relationship. Very difficult for sure through the loss of her husband, loss of her son. But I mean, if you think about it, you have gratitude on one part, awakens loyalty in the heart of the other. Selflessness on one part demands unselfishness on the other. Even Naomi, when she's dealing with her bitterness, awakened within Ruth to love her unconditionally and help her through the pain of losing her sons, even as she lost her husband. Interest from one is rewarded by responsive communication in the other. Counsel from one bears fruit as accepted and honored and respected from one another. Let me give you another example. And this is not readily seen perhaps, but remember in Luke chapter 4, when Peter's mother-in-law was sick, you know what Peter didn't do? See you later. Oh, she's finally sick and quiet, finally. No. What did he do? He went to get Jesus. He brought Jesus to his home to what? heal his mother-in-law. Why? Because not only did he love his mother-in-law, but by loving his mother-in-law, he loved his wife. We've got one more study to bring you in our Family Matters series, and we'll have that for you next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.